Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. This is the first week of the God of Miracles series. Man, how many of you guys know, I mean, we are blessed beyond measure to have such incredible leadership here at Embassy City Church. Really? Golf clap? No. We are blessed beyond measure to have such incredible leadership here at Embassy City Church. You know, Pastor Tim and uh, Juliet to me are incredible leaders, phenomenal people. I see them as family. Um, if anybody messes with them, I will start PYT Ministries. Uh, if For those that are wondering, it's Punch You in the Throat Ministries. <laughs> Uh, I don't have the model set up yet, but anyhow, I just have a deep, deep love for the leaders here of our house, and, you know, we are blessed to have them here, and for those of you guys that this is your first time here, obviously by now you know I am not Tim, but what I want to highly, highly, highly encourage you is to come back, not just for this series, but make sure you come back for the voice of this house, which is Tim and He's an incredible, incredible communicator. I believe he's one of the best in the world. I was at a convention. Seriously. I was just at a convention maybe a week ago. And um, anyhow, he's a grenade. The room just blew up. He's a grenade. But with that being said, I am beyond blessed to just be able to take this opportunity and speak with you guys here this morning. I'm going to share with you guys how we even got to this space this morning. For the last, I'd say, roughly three months, God has been stirring miracles on my heart. My wife has heard almost every imaginable, possible message you could preach on miracles because she's tired of hearing from me. And what the last three months have been for me have been a time of reverie. I stole that term from my father-in-law. I just saw him gazing one day, and I asked him, what are you doing? Just having a time of reverie, where he was just reflecting on something. And so for the past few months, I've just been reflecting on what God has done for me. Y'all, I haven't cried so much. I cried all week. And I'm not even a crier. I started to wonder, man, is this like chemical imbalance? What's, what's going on right now? But I just started to think about the goodness of God and the miracles that I've seen in my own journey before being saved, even after being saved. And it's interesting, the thing about miracles, the psalmist said it in Psalm 77. He says, I will meditate on the deeds of the Lord, the miracles that he did long ago. He will reflect on the deeds of the Lord. And so for the past few months, I've just been reflecting. And I'm reflecting with my family as they're jarring certain incidences that I had let lapse because I hadn't talked about them, had entirely forgotten what God had done. When you stop talking about what God has done, you forget what God has done. And as I started to just reflect and have this time of reverie, I realized there was a toddler who was on his tricycle. And next thing you know, 
as I'm on my tricycle coming out of an alleyway is a vehicle. That vehicle hits the toddler, knocks the toddler off his tricycle. The toddler gets up off of the ground without a broken bone in his body, without a bruise on his body, had some soreness in him. There's another occasion. A senior in high school is driving, driving to go play basketball. That's all I, I, I'm a sports fanatic. Driving to play basketball one night. Stopped at a red light. As soon as it turns green, I start driving. But what I didn't know was that there was an oncoming vehicle that wasn't going to stop for their light. And so almost a head-on collision, as close as you could be, and I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. And so I get thrown from the driver's seat to the passenger seat floor. My mom shows up to the incident. They put me on a stretcher. I'm a senior in high school. I'm thinking, hey, this, this is going to affect my ability to play college basketball. So all kinds of thoughts are rolling through my mind. I know I'm, I'm, I'm sore a little bit. But once they actually do the x-rays, there's not a broken bone in my body. The God of miracles. This is my last. <laughs> I'm driving on a freeway. I'm driving on a freeway coming back from Hutchinson Community College, greatest community college for sports in America. No debate about it. <laughs> As I'm driving back late at night, it might have been one in the morning. I'm driving back. It's just me and my little Honda Escort blasting something. I don't know what it was, but I'm blasting something. And as I'm driving, all of a sudden, from my peripheral vision, I see something just come out into the road. And it's a big animal. And so for those of you guys, which should be most of you guys since this is Texas, you're familiar when a deer and a vehicle collide, there is damage that's done. I hit the deer. And so you know how we can get, I'm not the guy in the movie that wants to kind of come out and see if the deer is still there and <laughs> let me just sit in this escort. And as I come out of the escort, the deer gets up and runs. I'm by myself. I'm not intoxicated. I peek around the front hood of the vehicle. No damage done. The God of miracles. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our healer, the God of miracles. I want to begin by reading Acts chapter 3. Does anybody bring any paper Bibles anymore or just depend on the screen and your phone? Where am I real Christian? Wait. wait. I love that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am so kidding. Not really. Okay. 
Acts chapter 3. And we're going to read 16 verses. Is that okay to read the Bible in church? And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, so the language in my Bible may be a little bit different than what you're looking at. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he would beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and his ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at this as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of your Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus. I meant to do that. Whom you handed over and denied before Pilate. Though he had decided to release him, you denied the holy and the righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God has raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and no. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Can we just open up with a quick word of prayer? Holy Spirit, we thank you that your presence is here. God, I pray that I would decrease in this moment. You would increase. Speak through me. I'm merely a vessel. God, I'm asking that you would raise our expectation in this room. Not only to hear a word, God, but to meet with you. Spirit of God, do what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I know you don't typically hear long prayers, but just deal with me today, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to journey with me to 1990. I'm in my home. I've made plans to go out on a Friday night. 1990. It might have been EPMD that was, I was listening to. It might have been LL that I was listening to. I'm just trying to set the tone for you guys here. For so, some of you guys, that just went over your head. Just know it was certain music that I was listening to back then. 
I wasn't saved back then. Calm down. Everybody, calm down. So there I am getting ready, putting on my best outfit for the night. I've made plans with my friend, and he's supposed to be there by 7. And my friend is, uh, this is just out of eighth grade, right? But how many guys have one of those friends that you really don't know how old he is? <laughs> just like, why are you in eighth grade and got a full head of beard and, you know, just, why are you this old? So this is just after eighth grade, and, and he's got his driver's permit. Young people, that's what we used to do back then. We felt like we were caged back then. And so when you got an opportunity to drive and get a driver's permit, you went and got a driver's permit. Now it's like, you don't, how, you don't have a driver? How old are you? 36? <laughs> and so here I am waiting on my only mode of transportation. Because he told me he would pick me up at 7. And so I got my fit on. I've, I've put on, you know, brute. It might have even been Dracar, depending on the night. And so I go and I gaze through the blinds. At 6.45, I gave him a courtesy look. Maybe he was coming early. He didn't arrive. Fifteen minutes goes by. Another look. He didn't arrive. Forty-five minutes has gone by. Another look, he didn't arrive. At this point, an hour had gone by. I looked, still no ride. We were supposed to be going to a party. Two hours later, nothing. At this point in time, there's people in my family that are like, I thought you were supposed to be going out. And so you know how you get, you start getting defensive when you start realizing you got stood up. <laughs> you ain't got plan, you ain't going nowhere. And so at this point in time, I realized he wasn't coming to pick me up. And as I was gazing out my window, I hated the fact that I depended on this guy to take me places. I hated the fact that I had to wait on him to pick me up in order to get where I was going. I hated that. I hated that because it told me I don't have my own independence. It told me that I'm depending on people to pick me up and take me places. But even more importantly, what it would do, it would remind me of what I didn't have. I hated that. I hated that I was dependent on him, but I hated the fact that it reminded me that I was dependent on someone to pick me up in order to go anywhere. Let's step into this story. Now, Peter and John, this is Acts 3, verse 1. 
And I love the language that is used in the, in the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. I've probably read it more than any other book in the Bible. It says, now, Peter and John, see, the church has been booming. Uh, Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit has, has descended. And, you know, the, the, the disciples now are making more disciples. Jesus is actually, excuse me, Peter has actually just finished preaching a message where 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. But what I love about the book of Acts is if you're not careful, the book of Acts, because of the language that is used and the pace at which it reads, you might believe that the book of Acts is something that is compiled that just shows you a year long journey of the early church. The book of Acts is compiled of at least over 30 years of the early church. I bring that up because some in the church may be frustrated with the state of the church. I want miracles like the book of Acts. I want to see dead people raised. I want to see limbs grow. I want to see eyes open. I want to see deaf ears open. I submit to you, if we were to take 30 years of everyone that's in this room, the miracles that we have seen in the last 30 years of our lives, I think we could compile a pretty good book. Peter and John, these guys started out as fishing buddies. These guys were business partners. Now we see them go from their being fishermen to now being apostles. They followed Jesus for three and a half years. They gave up everything to follow him. This same Peter was the same one that denied knowing Jesus. But this is a different Peter. This is a different Peter clothed with the power of God. And now they're headed to a prayer meeting. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. The title of this message is This is Lame. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. See, I hated the fact that I had to wait to get picked up to go to a party. That's all this man knew. His entire life, 40 plus years, he had to depend on people to pick him up. If he wanted to go get something to eat or beg for something to eat, we'll be by to pick you up. If he wanted to go outside of the religious gathering because he wasn't allowed to go inside the temple because he was lame, we'll be by to pick you up. Forty plus years of being dependent on people to pick you up. Now, I hated in that moment of waiting for my friend, and I should say his name so it goes viral. (laughs) You want to waste my time? (laughs) What I hated in that moment 
was a reminder that I had to depend on him. Every single day of this man's life, he didn't know a single day where he wasn't depending on someone to pick him up. He knew nothing about the word independence. Everything he wanted to do was a reminder of what he didn't have. I can't go in this temple because of what I don't have. I can't get married because of what I don't have. He wasn't able to provide for his family, so he wasn't able to get married. I'm unable to have kids because of what I don't have. I'm unable to find an occupation because of what I don't have. I'm unable to join the priesthood because of what I don't have. Everything he tried to do was a reminder of what he didn't have. And if you want to think about it, because my mind just kind of goes in these different places when I think about these kind of things. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a father now of a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And when they were little, well, when they were little, when, <laughs> yeah, when they were little. So when my daughter was born, I wasn't the greatest at picking things up, carrying babies. You know, it's just, it's awkward. They're so tiny, you don't want to hurt them. You're, you're, they're awkward. It's awkward, right? And I was just thinking about this story, and I thought about the fact that men just look ahead so you don't feel any tension, unnecessary tension coming your way. But if you can be honest and think about the amount of times that you picked up your baby, there may have been times when that baby was tiny where your wife, you guys did the trade-off in the middle of the night. She went to go get a couple hours of sleep, and, and you had the baby, and, and next thing you know, the baby's like, oh, hey, 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 don't wait. Can we, can we be honest? Hey, wait. Some of y'all just, boop. Just keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> now that's a baby. Now imagine being picked up as an adult with dead weight. Do you think every transition was a smooth transition? This is lame. And it says he was placed each day at the temple gate called beautiful. See, this was very strategic on his part. Because of his condition, he was unable to find money any other way. And so he would have to wait for somebody to come and pick him up and lay him outside of this beautiful gate because he couldn't go inside the gate. But he knew, due to the religious piety of that day, that the religious people who are going to the prayer meeting will give. Remember, Jesus addressed this in Matthew 6, 3. He said, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's addressing religious people who were giving out of the wrong motive. And so they would lay him every day at this gate called beautiful. And it was beautiful because of the material that the gate was made out of. It was Corinthian bronze. Aesthetically, it was beautiful. But the scene around it was nothing but. 
The scene around the Gate of Beautiful had cripples and it had lanes and it had people who were not allowed to go into the temple. And so think about this. He had to make sure that his ride was there on time for him to get there to catch the crowd. Or it was not going to be one of the better days. He's laid at this gate called Beautiful. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked them for money. And I want to just backtrack really quickly here because I want to pull you guys in. Because some of you guys right now are saying, look, I, I, I can't relate to this lame man. This lame man was helpless. He was hopeless. He was hapless. And for lack of a better word, he was stuck. Can any of us in this room relate to being stuck? I'm at a job I despise with a boss I cannot stand a smell of. Repulsed at his even sight. But I got a mortgage and five mouths to feed. I'm stuck. I mean, he looked good. He had the body. You know, he went to the gym. He occasionally went on Sundays with me to church. And so we went ahead and tied the knot. I thought I could change him. But now we're stuck. I went just to get my annual physical. A diagnosis came back. They said, you only have a certain amount of time to live. And there's no cure. I'm stuck. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. (laughs) Peter along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something. He turned to them expecting to get something. Look, once again, I'm a former athlete. I see almost everything through the lens of athletics. And as I look up this word, expecting in the Greek, One of the words that's used to translate this word is anticipating. For those of us who played sports and you realize how the importance of anticipating something. It means you see something before it happens. You you guess right. The great defenders can see where you're going before you go there. And so he's expecting to get something from them. He sees they're getting ready to go somewhere. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. 
He wanted money. They wanted to offer him a miracle. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have. See, this is a different Peter. This is a Peter under the authority of the Holy Spirit now. What I do have. See, he realized he may not have that, but he has something. He may not have everything, but he has something. What he has may not be for everyone, but it is for someone. What I have, I give to you. In the name. In the name. In the name that is above every name. In the name that demons tremble at. In the name that every tongue will bow and every tongue will, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In the name that is above cancer. In the name that is above every disease. In the name that brings healing. In the name that brings victory. In the name of Jesus Christ. Of Nazareth get up and walk get up and walk see the interesting thing is he wanted money his expectation was that low due to the fact that this was the story of his life have we lowered our expectation from God based on what we haven't received from God Oh, I want money. Nah, bro, you need a miracle. You don't need money. That'll go. You'll waste that. You need your legs back. This is what I love about the story. It says, then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. I used to just kind of fly right I used to just fly right past that. Taking him by the right hand, he lifted him up. See, some miracles happen instantaneously. Some miracles happen progressively. But then some miracles require a little bit of help. He didn't just leap to his feet. He was actually helped up to his feet. Now, you can prove this in Scripture, several different places where people receive their healing due to the help that they received. Journey with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. There's a military commander by the name of Naaman. On the word of a slave girl, he goes to find the prophet of Israel. He arrives at the prophet of Israel's home, and the prophet of Israel tells him, hey, go dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed of that leprosy. He storms off because he didn't want to dip in the Jordan. And as he storms off, here comes his help. His servant is like, look, if they ask you to do something great, wouldn't you have done that? And so with that help, he dips in the Jordan seven times and he's cleaned, healed of his leprosy. The four friends carrying their, 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 their friend on a mat. 
They climb the roof, dig out, dig out the hole and, 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 and let down the mat in front of Jesus. That was his help. He needed just a little bit of help. Never walked before. Never crawled before. Never stood up and tried to balance himself before. See, the amazing thing about this miracle is that he bypassed the natural progression of walking. He doesn't know what it is to take baby steps. God had him take adult steps. I know what it is to be stuck. Do you have a moment for a story? Me and my wife were pastoring in Australia. Oh, speaking of my wife, such an amazing woman. She's shaking her head like, don't, don't do it. Listen, <laughs> you got to go home with me. Don't, don't, don't do it. So here we are in Australia. We're doing the work for the Lord and we get pregnant. My wife conceives. Oh, we're excited. Yo, I'm, I'm about to be a pops. I'm, you know, I'm already thinking of what moves I'm going to teach him first. He's going to you know, go from crawling to doing crossovers. And... <laughs> That's what's happening in my house. You learn to dribble. So <laughs> we get to Australia. She conceives. We get the report that something could be wrong. So me and my wife do what we believe we should do. We pray about it. We fast about it. We call out and cry out to God about it. And so we know without a shadow of a doubt when we go back to that office that we're going to have great news about how the baby is progressing. So we arrive at the office and they say we can't find a heartbeat. And me being a man of faith, I, you know, I'm quoting scripture. I'm, you know, my wife had to peel me off of the chair. They had to ask me to, to I, I wasn't receiving that as a response. But that scenario didn't change. Now here I was, pastoring, having to talk to people about faith after having a tragedy happen 48 hours prior. And we're in the middle of a building fund. So I got to stir faith in the room. While I'm questioning my own. See, the toughest time to believe for a miracle is when you stood for one and didn't get one. So months go by. With every passing month, and every negative pregnancy test. I'm having tough conversations with God. I am over here on foreign soil. Away from my family. Away from my comforts in America. Away from the NBA league pass. <laughs> I 
and this is what you pull? I'm having a moment of transparency with you. So we go to the fertility specialist, the most renowned fertility specialist on that side of the world. And that fertility specialist looks at me and my wife. We're seated, and he's at his desk and says, Look, I know you just had a miscarriage. But due to the test that we just took, your wife's egg count is too low. She has the egg counts of somebody who's beyond her age, well beyond her age. So you guys are not going to be able to conceive. And he said, not only are you not going to be able to naturally conceive, even with the help of medicine, you will not be able to conceive. And in that moment, I felt something, maybe someone inside of me stand up. And I put my hand on the desk and rose up and said, God can do this. God can do this. And Australia is a very pagan nation, despite the fact they've got several movements that a lot of people are aware of. And so he's looking at me, eyeballs all big, almost popping out of his head. And he's, he's looking at me like, like he saw a ghost. But what he didn't realize in that moment is that he was hearing from the ghost. We leave with that news to go to Singapore. For vacation. And in that moment, I was built up in faith. But there were times in the quiet where I questioned my faith. Sometimes the quiet is the loudest place. And I'm sitting here in the quiet one morning in my Bible. It was a morning I could actually pick it up. And I'm in my Bible, upstairs in a, in a, in a bathroom. I got to give you all the details. <laughs> Not using the restroom, in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> and the Lord starts talking to me in the bathroom. And this word comes up. And it was only found in my NIV study Bible. It's the only place that this scripture read this way. And every letter of that scripture flew off of the page. And I said, oh, oh, no, wait, are you, this is for me. And I said, oh, oh, wait, wait. And so you know how we do when we're, we're trying to be spiritual. We got our phones and we're looking at social media too. And so when me and my wife were dating early on, she had said, hey, if we, if we have a baby girl, I want to name her Hadassah. That didn't go over well with me. 
So she's already got the last name, Kazadi, you know, Hadass. It's gonna be a tough fight in this world. It's gonna be a tough fight. And so this, that, was a, that was a topic of tension that we just never addressed. And as I'm in that bathroom, after God gives me that word, I look at my cell phone. And on my cell phone, there's a friend suggestion. What do you mean a friend suggestion? I, I friend who I want to friend. Don't suggest who I friend. <laughs> this was early on during the friend suggestion stage. I look at the friend suggestions and the name that is on the friend suggestion, the very first one is Hadassah. And so here I am trying to do the math in the bathroom. Best place to do math. Here I am in the bathroom and I'm doing the math like, oh, I got a word and and I think her name is going to be Hadassah. And so, like this lame man who was stuck, I had a decision to get up from where I was at and walk. I received a word. Now I just had to respond to that word. And here I was tiptoeing down the steps because I'm like look man I know what every end of the month looks like and if I'm wrong I gotta find another vocation and as I'm walking the spirit of God tells me about John the Baptist's father Zechariah while he was in the temple doing the Lord's work in the temple an angel appears and tells him you're going to have a son. But then he also gives him the name of the son. This is all happening as I'm walking down the steps. And so confidence swells up in me. This is the Lord. And so I walk to my wife and I'm like, hey, this is going to sound crazy. I just came out of the bathroom. But this is what God is saying. We are going to have a baby girl, and her name is going to be, you win. <laughs> you win, okay? It's Hadassah. And so my wife, broken from the news from the other day, we had to make a decision to get up and walk. And we went straight up those steps, and we got up and walked. Because we had a word from God, we kept walking. See, the miracle wasn't just that he got up and he walked. The miracle was that he kept on walking. A man that had never taken a step in his life just kept on walking because he got a word from God. That's all I needed was a word from God to start walking. And we went up them steps and we started to speak to my wife's stomach. Hadassah, come forth. You are promised of God. Come forth. You are named by God. There is destiny on your life. Come forth. We get back to Australia. My wife starts to tiptoe down the, 
steps of our home. And let me not forget this point, because this is, this, is, this is how big our God is. Do you know the day that he gave me that word in the restroom? Do you know what day that was? It was Independence Day. Five years ago. Five years ago from this date, God gave us a, a promise. That was our Independence Day. We didn't need to depend on medicine. You can't help me, I'm going to depend on the one that can. And my wife, who's somewhat of like a, 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 just, she's a computer. She's a computer with dates. And for some reason, she reminded me of that date. And I was like, no, that's not right. And then I'm praying yesterday, and I see a picture of us holding American flags five years ago from this date. And so I'm standing on a stage five years later, declaring the goodness of God and talking about we serve a God who faithfully keeps his word. He faithfully keeps his promises. But we had to exercise our faith. We had to align with what God had said. In the quiet, we had to align with what God had said. Through the questioning, we had to align with what God had said. Through the doubting, we had to question what God had said. We got back to Australia. Y'all, I can't make this up. I wish I'm making that. I can't make this up. We have a two-story home, and my wife starts coming down the steps, and I'm downstairs in prayer, and the song that is blasting in our home is God of Miracles. I believe in you, God of Miracles. That's blasting through our home, and my wife is carrying a pregnancy test. Says I'm pregnant, while God gave us a soundtrack to listen to. So we end up conceiving and having a beautiful baby girl by the name of Hadassah. But just like this man's life, it wasn't about just a moment. Let's dive right back into the text. He jumped up, started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. That's what you do as a knee-jerk response to something God does. See, a miracle isn't just something amazing that happens. It's something that only God can do. And he's jumping, he's leaping, he's praising God. I'm sure he had to be winded because he's, he's, he's never done that. He's never done it. Yet everybody recognizes that he's the one that was laid at the lame gate of beautiful. We know it was you, so we, we, there's no rebuttal for this. This is a flat-out miracle. While he was holding on to Peter and John, verse 11, all 
the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. The man who lied on a mat his whole life had now become a stage. Peter stood on that stage and preached the gospel. Oh, that Jesus that you killed? By his name, this man has been made well. His life was now a stage. The man that was lame, that depended on everybody for everything, now had experienced his Independence Day. His life was a miracle. See, on that particular day, he didn't just get, he didn't just get his legs back. He got his life back. He didn't just get his legs back. He got his hope back. He didn't just get his legs back. He got his opportunities back. What we typically don't discuss with this story is the ending of the story. So here is Peter, he's, he's, he's standing on this guy's life, preaching Jesus. 5,000 come to accept Jesus in that moment. From nothing to a stage where 5,000 come to Jesus. He's holding on to Peter and John. As the story continues... These two get arrested. Peter and John get arrested by the religious leaders of that day. Here's the question I want to ask if you've ever thought of this. What happened to the man? Was his miracle just for a moment? I presume with those guys being arrested, now he had to walk on his own home. See, a miracle isn't just merely about a moment. As long as he keeps on walking, his story keeps on being told. Wherever he's walking, his story is being told. The minute he stops walking, that story is no longer told. So as I'm at home, putting diapers on my kids. I'm putting diapers on a miracle. As I'm at home putting clothes on my kids, I'm putting clothes on a miracle. When I'm disciplining my kids, I'm disciplining a miracle. And if that's not enough, I'm married to a miracle. My wife's parents were told, go plan the funeral. Every living, breathing thing in my home is a miracle. When I wake up in the morning, I pass miracles. When I lie down at night, I lie next to a miracle. I believe in the God of miracles. I believe in the God who heals. I believe in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of miracles.
Is there anyone in this room that still believes in the God of miracles? Here's the thing is the keys come up. Here's the thing. Everyone knew as the keys come up. Oh. Come on. Baseball signs. Here's the thing about the man that was lame, whose whole life was lame. In order to receive money from those who were actually going into the temple, he had to prove that he was lame. You had to actually show your disability. He no longer could get money from begging. This man had to get a job. You got to get a job. But here's the thing. When he had that divine encounter with Peter and John, had he not been willing to reveal the one area that he needed a miracle, he wouldn't have received his miracle. And as believers are praying around this room, I want to ask, is there anyone in this room that's believing for a miracle? See, if he was prideful, that would have prevented him from getting his miracle. No, I'm good. I'm good. I know how to function dysfunctionally. Yes. Get up and walk. Come down front. Get up and walk if you need a miracle in your body. Get up and walk down to the front. No believers praying in the spirit, if you're comfortable with that, praying in the spirit around this building. I don't know if Sarah and the praise team, if you guys can sing something. I believe in the God that still heals. I believe in the God that still performs miracles. I believe in the God that still restores marriages. That breathes life into dead situations. Maybe the prayer team can help me. As believers are praying around the room. I believe the power and the presence of God is in this room to heal. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.